coming to you from the Woodland Baptist Ministry Center, home of the Woodland Baptist Church, on the 30th of July, 2023. On the job. Have you ever held down a job? Yes. <laughs> Maybe more than one. We are going to talk this morning about something that we all are engaged in at one time or another, and that is a relationship being on the job, whether a boss or an employee. And the terms that are used in the book of Colossians refer to the most common arrangement of their day, which was master and slave. In the Roman world, to which Paul was writing, Paul was writing to uh, the church at Colossae, who was part of a, the Roman Empire. A majority of people in each one of the towns would have been slaves, not uh, storefront owners or, or just employees, but slaves. And of course, then they would have been under masters. But the principles uh, apply across the board to the things that, that uh, Paul talks to them about. He has spent some time, as Tom read in our opening scripture, he has read the, uh, written about the idea of a relationship between a husband and a wife. Then he talks about parents and kids. And now it's boss and employee or master and slave. And so we want to look at, at these passages, uh, these few short verses that talk about this important relationship and draw some great principles that will help us to know how to navigate these um, relationships. So I invite you to turn with me to book of Colossians chapter 3. And when you get to chapter 3, look to verse 22, and we'll read down through the first verse in chapter 4. It says, Bond servants obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoers will be paid back for the wrong that he has done. There is no partiality. And masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Now these principles we said apply to any kind of job situation where somebody is the boss, someone works for the boss, someone who is in authority, someone who's under authority. And if they can work for slaves and masters, then they can work for anything. Because in the situation that Paul was addressing, more often than not, you would find a person who was a slave, not a master. And you would find that they would be in a position 
where they couldn't do what most of us could do, which is quit our job if we didn't like it, move on and go and find someplace else. No, they were bought and sold as slaves. They would work as slaves and they would work as long as the master had any use for them. They were to be treated almost like objects in certain aspects in the society. As you would buy and sell a, a shovel so you could buy and sell a slave. And so the rights that they had, the privileges they would have, would be almost non-existent. So when Paul writes these things, he's writing to a group of people who have, for the most part, have their backs up against the wall. They can't do anything to change their circumstances. They could run away, but then they could be traced traced and tracked down, caught and brought back, and then it would be worse for them than before. And in that context, in that, what we would say, oppressive situation, Paul writes these principles. And if they can work for them, they certainly could work for us. As we read here, uh, there is a couple things that we need to note. And the first one is this. Both those in authority and those under authority answer to the Lord. Both those in authority and those under authority answer to the Lord. So he's talking to both the masters and to the slaves in the culture of the day. And free men, there was free men as well. He says, all of us answer to the Lord. Now, that's true across the board, whether a person is a believer or not. We see uh, in Proverbs 21.1, it says, The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wills. The idea is the Lord is the one who is ruling over all. And we all answer to him. Now, not everybody recognizes that. I, I'll give you that. Not everyone recognizes that the Lord is in charge or in control. Uh, we see examples of that throughout scripture. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar was one of the great kings. He didn't see that he really answered to God until God showed him that, yes, he did answer to him. But there are many cases like that throughout Scripture where you say, do I get to do whatever I want, especially as a king? Do I get to do whatever I want? And don't answer to anyone. And the answer is no. David tried that. David tried a couple times as, as you know, we would say, man, King David, that beloved man of God, he did it, yeah. Remember, he uh, numbered the chariots. He says, let me see what kind of force I have here to use. God says, don't do that. I'm the one who's going to give you victory. And he, he set him up and shut him down. We realize then that this is true from this passage. 
those in authority and those under authority answer to the Lord, we could say, and answer to the same Lord, because there is only one. Now, the advantage that believers have and what Paul is indicating here is those who are believers, they recognize this truth. In other words, it's to their advantage to know that that is a functional truth. That isn't just something that people go, oh, I don't believe that. I don't think there is a God. I don't have to answer to a God. But a believer would go, I believe that there is a God. I know he's alive. He's at work. And because I know that, it's to my advantage to know that because I know that whatever I do then, whether I have a master or I am the master, whether I'm in authority or under authority, I am going to answer to the Lord. That's a believer's advantage because then it frames the rest of the discussion about masters and slaves. So let's turn our attention to the slave. He says, bond servants obey in everything those who are your earthly master. So we are, we are charged then as people under authority and someone with an authority over us to obey them. That is the responsibility. In other words, to follow their directions, to do what they say. Now, for a slave, that was pretty obvious. If the master says, um, bring me a cup of coffee, fine. I better bring me a cup of coffee. If he says, I want you to go out and till the fields, we better go out and till the fields. If he says, I want you to take the wagon and go pick up some whatever, he's going to do that. Why? Because the master says so. A person under authority, though, and this is our second principle, those under authority can unexpectedly influence the heart of the person in authority. Those under authority can unexpectedly influence the heart of the person in authority. What is a master going to surmise is going to be the reaction of being the boss, being in authority, and telling somebody else to do something. The expectation is pushback. The expectation is they're going to say, mm, no. Or, or I'm going to go into slow motion, or I'm going to do something to impede this. It isn't something I want to do. It's something you want me to do. And I don't have to do this except that I'm afraid of you. So how does a, a slave then, working for a master, how does he go about surprising his master? And part of that is the first principle he realized he doesn't answer directly to his master. He answers to the master's master. He answers to the Lord. The same one who is Lord over all is the one he answers to ultimately. 
So he can't say, I can't, I don't want to do this, or I'm not going to do this. He might do it because he's afraid of what his earthly master will do. But the believer is going to be motivated by something else. He says, I know my Lord is watching me. And my job principally is not to serve my earthly master. My principal task is to serve my Lord. Now, did the Lord give us any commands as to what we're to be doing? Sure he did. He says, go and make disciples. He says, and baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, and teaching them to observe whatsoever I commanded you. Does that apply to a slave? Certainly. So what's the slave doing in response to the master's edicts, his earthly master's edicts? He says, my principal role here is while serving my earthly master, my desires for my earthly master to come and know the Lord and then to grow in him. That's my principal task that was given by my master's master, the Lord. You say, that's all well and good, but what if your master is despicable? Same thing. Same thing. Is it going to be harder? Oh, definitely. He says, those under authority can unexpectedly influence the heart of a person in authority. In other words, that slave can say, I'm going to serve my Lord and Savior. And my desire then is to see my earthly master saved. His household as well would be good. I want him to come my brother. And you say, well, the master, my earthly master may have no desire to have anything to do with my spiritual beliefs. That's okay. How am I going to win them? Well, the avenue I have is by my service to my Lord and Savior. We see that example in the, in the life of Joseph. And so we're not going to belabor that point, but he comes into the house of Potiphar. He comes in as a slave and pretty soon Potiphar sees that, that Joseph is blessed. Why? Because Joseph goes about his task serving well his master here on earth. So much so that Potiphar goes, man, everything that Joseph touches is blessed by God. And whether I understand that or not, I know that I'm profiting from this. And so I'm going to turn it over to him. He says, we can unexpectedly influence the heart of the person in authority because whether they're a good boss or they're not so good a boss, they're going to be surprised by the fact that we willingly serve. There's a couple principles here. He says, it can only be done by seeing clearly that their reward for service 
is administered by the Lord. In other words, my paycheck doesn't come at the end of the week or bi-monthly or at the end of the month. My reward is being laid up for me in heaven because my Lord is watching what I'm doing. So my reward for service, I may not get a, a thank you even from my earthly master, but the Lord is making note of what I'm doing. Then he says, if you're going to serve, this is how a slave is to serve by application. This is how a worker is to serve. He says there's three critical words. Service must be done heartily and sincerely and not just with eye service. Those three principles must be done heartily, sincerely, not just with eye service. What does it mean heartily? It means you're going to put your whole heart into it. We use these phrases. We have a pretty good grasp of what it means. Oh, he did it half-heartedly. He wasn't really into it. He, this wasn't his thing. But the Lord says, if you're going to serve your master, and by application, then you're going to serve me. I want you to put your whole heart into it. Serve well. Don't just go through the motions. Invest yourself in this. Then he says, sincerely. It's an interesting word. It literally means, it's used in other ways to describe a piece of paper that is unfolded. What do you mean unfolded? Well, if I took this page right here and I folded it, what do you see about my sermon notes? Now, you might not be able to read them, but if I open them up and it's unfolded, you get to see exactly what my sermon notes are. If you were closer, you might even read them. This is in 14-point text because I'm getting blind and I need large print. But you'd be able to read them too. And the idea behind sincerely is there's nothing hidden. There's no secrets. There's nothing you're doing as an employee that you have a hidden agenda. You're going about doing something, but maybe... Contrary to what the boss wants. You got stuff sort of on the side, on the slide. Something that the boss doesn't know about. He says we're to serve sincerely. In other words, not only are we putting our whole self into it wholeheartedly, but we're not doing something on the side that would detract from that service. And then having made two positive statements, he makes a negative one, and he says, not just with eye service. And we all know what that is. <laughs> we only serve well when the boss is watching. We only serve well when the boss is watching. He says, don't be like that. As soon as the boss walks out of the room, do you, uh, okay, don't have 
I can take it easy now. I don't need to, to really invest here because he's not watching. Someone's on the lookout. Boss is coming. Okay, we're back to work. Apostle Paul says there's a, a tendency in the world to respond that way, especially for a slave who is in a situation that he cannot change and things may be, he may be treated harshly, may be treated in a rotten way, may not be treated well at all, more like an implement than a person. It'd be a tendency then not to put your whole heart into service. It'd be a tendency to have some secrets from the boss. It'd be a tendency to serve only when you thought the boss was watching. And Paul says to the church there, if you're under authority, don't do it only with eye service. Do it wholeheartedly. Do it with sincerity. And the thing is, your goal is not to get the job done. You go, oh, wait a minute. I thought you just said you're supposed to serve that way. It says, no, your job is to see your, your master come to know the Lord. How are you going to do it is by getting the job. Okay, big difference. If I focus on just getting the job done, there's no spiritual connection here. If I'm doing it to serve the Lord and to see my master get saved in his household because I know that there is a, a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. And that if my master goes through all of his life and he doesn't come to know my Savior and the Lord, he is going to spend eternity in hell. So this job fades in significance compared to seeing my master and his family come to know the Lord. My service is the tool that the Lord has given me to have entrance into the heart of my master. That's why I say those under authority can unexpectedly influence the heart of the person in authority. They didn't see it coming. But when I serve well, what's going to be raised in the mind and the heart of the master? Well, you go on, you're spending time in prayer all the time as a, as a believing servant, slave. And you're saying, Lord, use this to touch the heart of my master. Soften his heart. Let me share the faith if I can. Whatever, but I'm going to serve well and leave that to you. You've given me a job, of a ministry of reconciliation. I do it in service to my master. I'm going to serve wholeheartedly. I'm going to serve sincerely. And not just when the boss is watching. Now that put, might, might put some extra pressure on you. Because if you're in the household with some other slaves. They go, oh, that isn't how I operate. I'm not going to operate wholeheartedly. I'm not going to operate sincerely. 
and I'm certainly going to operate with eye service. Why? Because you only go around once in life, and this is the life I live, and at the end I die. So I might as well get whatever I can get now. And your attitude is, no. I have eternity ahead of me, and I have a, my Lord and Savior's watching me. And he's the one who rewards my service. Whether I get anything out of it this world or not, it's inconsequential compared to eternity. I love the little story, and I mean little story, of a little maid that's found in 2 Kings. And you know it as well. It's, it's the story of Naaman the leper. And it's found in a few short verses in 2 Kings 5. It said the Syrians in one of their raids had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel and she worked in the service of Naaman's life, wife. And she said to her mistress, would that my Lord were with the prophet who's in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman was commander of the Syrian army and he had leprosy. And says, so Naaman went and told his Lord thus and so, spoke the girl from the land of Israel. This little girl is a role model for all those who would serve under authority. Her heart was not in getting revenge for being carried off in the captivity. It wasn't like, I'm just going to slide by here because I miss mom and dad. And I'm here with a whole bunch of people speaking a different language. I don't like the culture. I don't like the people. There are the enemies of our, our nation. And why should I serve them well? Didn't have any of those attitudes. Instead, she had an attitude that says, Oh, that my master would know our prophet so he can get healed. You don't even have the name of the girl. Got written up in scripture. Little maid. Who had the right heart. So we come back to our first principle. Both those in authority and those under authority. Answer to the Lord. We understand that as believers especially. Second one, those under authority can unexpectedly influence the heart of the person in authority. We saw that in the little maid. We saw that in Joseph, both in Potiphar's house and then when he was thrown into prison. Those that were watching goes, I see the Lord's hand is with this person. If you're a person under authority, serving somebody else, working for somebody else, do they see Jesus in you? Is the question. But what about those in authority? Those in authority are able to uniquely bless those in their care. In other words, 
they are in a position to touch the lives of those who work for them. It gives a couple of things that we're to keep in mind. It says in these two passages, both in Colossians and Ephesians, we said they're sister books, that they're not to use threats. <laughs> what do you mean they're not to use threats? That's how a master got the slave to work, by threats. You don't do this, I take you out in the backyard and put you down. You don't serve me well, I beat you. That was a standard fare. But now he's addressing believers who are in authority. And he says, don't use threats. And you go, if I don't use threats, how am I going to control these who are, are under my authority? We've got to find another way. May I suggest another way? This is a word that I use. It's not found in scripture. So if you don't like it, that's fine. Don't use it. But I think that we'll touch on the point. Don't use threats, but be empathetic to their needs. Who is our Lord and our master? Well, Jesus Christ. We got that. Okay. Do we always follow him? No. Okay. We got that clear. What does he do? Could he use threats? I love this passage as, as, as Jesus Christ is, is talking to one of the men from the Sanhedrin. And we know the story found in John chapter 3. We know John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son... Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The next verse. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. But in order that the world might be saved through him. Loving, our loving master looked at our situation and said, <laughs> Oh, that all that group of people that I created, they are rebellious, they are obnoxious, they give me nothing but grief, I'll just exterminate them. Doesn't do that, does it? Scripture tells us his reaction was anything but that. His reaction was, they're in a terrible way because of the sin that they chose. I think I'll go and save them. I'll go and redeem them. What is the role of a master towards his slaves? What is his job? Well, it's to keep the household going and running. No. His job as a master, are you ready for this? You, you know the answer already. His job is to make disciples. He wants to see all the slaves in his household come to know the Lord. 
He wants to bring them into a right relationship with the living God and then disciple them and grow them. And you go, boy, that isn't how I've seen many jobs run. That's what our responsibility is to our master, our heavenly Lord. So when we're in the condition of whatever we are, whether we're a person in authority or under authority, we have the same role, same responsibility. We just go about it a different way. The person under authority does it by wonderful service. One in authority does it by his treatment of his slaves. And we're not to use threats is, is the word that's given here. We're not to use threats. We're not to, to uh, say, if you don't do this, I'm going to... No. You say, well, how's he going to get anything to done? By showing that he cares for them. How can I show that? So we're instructed of what we're, a person in authority is to do. Those in authority, and this is our last point here, those in authority must do the right thing and treat each person equitably. In the scripture, it talks about the word justly and fairly. So let me sort of give you the explanation of those two words. The idea of just is we're to do the right thing. Why wouldn't a master do the right thing? Well, he could be mean and nasty and obnoxious too. But he also could do something, anything but the right thing. We see that in, in our society today. What's the right thing? We might say, well, the right thing for a boss to do if he's got somebody working for him is not to lay him off and, and hire somebody in China to send parts. I gotta figure out a way to keep this person here who is under my authority employed why? Because I care about their life situation. Is it going to cost me? Absolutely. It's going to cost me. But if I'm going to do those things that are just, which means I'm going to do those things which are right, I'm going to do the right thing, even if it is more costly. Then he says, and we're to do it fairly. We have an interesting notion about fairness. We say fairness is treating everybody the same. That's not what it's talking about here. We treat every person with equal value. We see them as God sees them, hand-created, hand-made by God. We don't despise some and say, this person is worthless, has no value. 
That's the idea. It's not that we don't give we don't give everybody this we treat them the same across the board. I heard the word used and uh, was used both ways in the idea of, of a company and one of its employees. And here's how they said fairly, the boss said that fairly should be used. And I believe he was wrong. He said, I'm going to pay my journeyman the same as a guy coming in and just a fresh hire. The fresh hire doesn't know anything. In fact, I'm going to have the journeyman train this new fresh hire and and they're going to develop skills. Developing skills is a good thing because they become more valuable to me, more valuable to themselves. They will become, as a more skilled person, they're of greater value. He says, but I'm going to treat them the same financially because I want to be fair. And not fair. One is a, one is a trainee. One is a trainer. One has experience, one doesn't. You wouldn't give them the same uh, standard of living because of their, you wanted to be fair. But you do treat them with equity. In other words, you say, I see this person who just came in with no skills as a valuable person, not just someone who is sweeping up the floors or whatever. I see them as valuable as my journeyman, skilled person here. I treat them the same. So Apostle Paul says, if you're going then to have uh, those under authority be treated, treat them not using threats, be empathetic, understand their, their condition. Now, can you be taken advantage of? Oh yeah. That's part of the problem, isn't it? That's why a boss might use threats. Say, you're not doing the work. You either get to it or you're going to pay some consequence here. Well, if a person isn't working with sincerity and wholeheartedness, but only with eye service, how do I get them to work, especially if they're my slave? Still treat them by doing what is right. Still treat them as valuable, even though they aren't putting in the work that maybe somebody else is. still care for them, still desire the best for them. In that sense, I treat everyone the same. Creates a lot of tension. If you come away from this sermon and you don't have some question for me, 
it's because you slept through this message. Because we've all, we've all been in work circumstances. And we've all seen a whole wide division of how people treat one another on the job, whether bosses or, or people who are under their authority. But we got to remember what Paul's goal was here as he dresses the church at Colossae. He says, you are people of the Lord. You must be about the Lord's work. Your setting as a, as a master or a slave is just the setting for you to do what I've asked you to do. I bet you if we went around the room here, for those watching on video, we could say, I bet there's been quite a diversity of jobs that have been done. Yeah. So the setting can change radically. But the mission is the same. Go and make disciples of all men. Baptizing in them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe whatsoever I command you. And lo, I am with you. Now what we want? The want the Lord to be with us. In the early church, slaves needed to know that. The Lord was with them. And for the masters who were coming out of society where masters had total control, they say, you need to be like me and serve your slaves, caring for them. So our, our principles, both people, both those in authority and under authority answer to the Lord. Those under authority can unexpectedly influence the heart of the person who is in authority. And those in authority are able to uniquely bless those in their care. Where do you find yourself? You go, retired. I don't have to pay attention to this. No, you go, are you still going to be in relationships where someone's going to be in authority? Or you're going to be under authority? Oh yeah, it doesn't matter. You're still going to find these kind of relationships. Now you know what to do. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I know that this is only an introduction to a much greater topic. And each situation has different nuances and flavors and distinctions that need to be worked out. But Heavenly Father, the core truths are the same. May we be about your business while here on earth, knowing that one day we're going to stand before you, see you face to face. <coughs> and may we get well done, not good and faithful servant. We ask these things in the name of your Son and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.